Welcome to Better on the Inside, a podcast about soul care in the digital age. This is your host and pastor, John Pyle. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside, as that lovely voice already welcomed you. It is so good to see you guys again. I'm so excited about this week's episode uh, and next week's episode, too, because it's another two-parter. Uh, it's my friend Leah Wren. Now, Leah Wren is a recording artist, multi-hyphenate, like philosopher, theologian, worship leader, musician, old soul, just uh, just an awesome young lady that I think you're going to get a kick out of listening. And she really speaks to the soul in, in all of her kinds of music, like every single kind that you can think of whether she's leading worship or doing something else. We're going to drop all of her links in the social, but make sure that you know it's Leah, W-R-E-N-N-E. That's Leah Wren. Search her on Spotify or wherever else you have music. You can check her out on her website and, of course, click all the links that are below uh, in the show notes so that you have a chance to interface with everything that she's doing. Uh, we kind of kicked off talking a little bit about music because I was just, I was so fascinated at how she became a musician, what music means to her, does it feed her soul, does it do any of that? And part of what I hope to accomplish is by talking to somebody that's musically talented like this, uh, whether they're just a musician, a worship leader, whatever that um, looks like, talking to someone like Leah is incredibly helpful, like wildly helpful to help us kind of understand what songs and music can do as we just listen and engage and consume those things. And, and it connects to our soul in a deep way. Music can be so filling and such a lovely part of life that we don't always get a chance to um, reflect on. Like it goes in, it goes out, but we don't always reflect on it. So I really enjoyed that opportunity. So take a listen to what Leah has to say. So we, you know, we talked about you being a theologian and all of that. And one of the things that I appreciate about the music that I've heard, even the covers that I've seen you do, is that you bring a, a depth of like, you're not just singing. There's something like worshipful about even when you're not worshiping per se. Like, how has music been a part of your spiritual journey? Hmm. I feel like. Like, thank, first of all, thank you for saying that, because um, I feel like, honestly, I fluctuate between, um, like, worship music and, like, non-worship music. Yeah. Um, and, like, a lot of times people are just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we want to hear the worship stuff. And I was like, okay, well, like, that's one part. Yeah. <laughs> that's just one part of my life. And, like, I also write about, like, other life stuff, yeah. um, which is, like, in a non-worship kind of genre. Mm. But, um, like, I like to sing anything that, like, speaks to me, anything that inspires me or that I experience. Yeah. Um, I feel like music has definitely played a huge role in just my processing my own emotions and experiences. Mm. Um, I started songwriting when I was eight years old. Um, oh, I, the songs were not good. <laughs> no. The songs were not good. <laughs> Are you kidding? Any song written by an eight-year-old is really good. Any song. And I think it got a little better by the time I was 11 or 12 because then my siblings started singing my songs around the house. And I was like, okay, like, I guess it sounds like something. Wow. Um, but it was like, okay, 
I can write things that I experience or things that like just helps me to process what I'm thinking or feeling or seeing um, going on in my life and in the world. Um, but even like listening to artists, like I really liked artists who had kind of like really wordy lyrics. Like mm. <laughs> I know people say a lot that Kirk Franklin has like a lot of words in his yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, but I think the more words you have, like the easier it is to kind of explain what's going on. Okay. If you like that part, this is going to get even better. Uh, Leah talks about little Leah, like diving into when she started writing music, how she started writing music, and it actually connects to her mental health journey. And so it's a really good spiritual thing. It's a really deep spiritual connection to what songwriting and journaling did for her soul and then pouring that out and, and that pour out what she's pouring out from her own journey connects and, and helps our souls. So it's really, truly a very, very, very cool thing. She does an amazing job just kind of unpacking things. And again, just incredibly thoughtful and wise. Uh, I really think you're going to dig her talking about what songwriting looked like to her as a kid and how it connected to her anxiety. And what got you into songwriting? Like most eight-year-olds don't write music. Like, did you always have an ear for music or was that just something that you were excited about? I don't even know because I, I started journaling too when I was eight like my parents um I, I can't remember if it was for Christmas or for my birthday but I requested uh this fancy diary that had like a key but it was like an electronic key <laughs> and I was like no one's gonna see my thoughts yeah. uh, <laughs> and so during the journaling process I was like I guess I can like write songs too um but I think my family was pretty musical growing up um, like we all sung in the church choir mm -hmm. at some point and my mom made all of us go to uh, a music school for piano lessons, um, which I flunked out of because <laughs> I hated piano. I just wanted to sing. Really? That's yeah. so fascinating. But you were like, no piano for me. Sorry. No, no, Can't thank you. I'm boring. <laughs> That's really interesting. So what was your first instrument? Um, that, I think that was the first one that I played. My dad got me a guitar around 11 or 12 as well, but like we never took lessons. He was just like, here's guitars. And they just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but me and one of my sisters wanted to create a, a country duo that never happened though. So <laughs> well, it hasn't happened yet. Let's not. I don't like, know. She might want to. Yeah, she might want to redo. Yeah. Shout out to your sister. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> it's time for the country. And for we're writing country songs. Yeah, I love that. Well, and so you're processing your experience like a very like soul deep experience, right? You're processing all of this, even though you're eight or you're 11 or you're 12. But that doesn't discount the like what you're going through. Like as an adult, it can feel smaller because you have more perspective, but at the time it's everything. And so you're pouring out from your soul in a very communicative way that most kids might not do that. What, I, it's kind of a weird question. I don't know if you've ever thought of it, but how do you think that affected your spiritual life in being able to do that? I think it made conversations with God a little bit easier. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times I would just hear 
so I grew up in like Black Baptist Church, and everyone would just like pray the super like, we thank you, Father God, for the da 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 da. And it's yeah. like they did going in, they they calling down heaven. And I'm yeah. like, um, I'm pretty quiet, so <laughs> <laughs> like I don't really know what I'm supposed to say. Right. But when I'm writing, I feel like I can communicate my thoughts better, mm. and I can be like more clear with what I'm thinking and saying. So I think that that made uh, made it just just a bit easier for me to have conversations with God, um, even just like journaling conversations with God, and it didn't feel um, like I had to be anything but myself. Yeah. Um, so I think it felt like it felt like a safe space to just be. Oh, that's really cool. Like that authenticity. What do you have any tips or advice that you would give to people that maybe want to explore that? Because most people struggle with that kind of thing. They're not like most people. I shouldn't say most. Many people have trouble like pouring out from what's kind of deep within them in an authentic way. And so do you have any tips or things that you've learned that, that might benefit people? Don't try to be perfect. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think um, even in, in the form of just um, like writing without like trying to erase or like get the right words, like it doesn't have to be um, anything, but like what you're thinking in the moment and that's okay. And like all of your emotions in the moment are valid. I think it's easy to kind of try to fix um, our thoughts as they're happening. And it's like, oh no, like I really didn't want to think that I didn't want to say that. Ooh. And it's like, okay, like why did that come out? Like, let's look at why that came out and how you can respond to that instead of just automatically reacting and trying to push it away. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so good. It's about editing. Don't edit. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> don't edit when you're don't edit. when you're trying to pour out and kind of open up. And yeah, I, I, for me, in seasons where I've been more able to be honest and authentic and transparent and not edit, right, and not try to make it perfect, the practice of it, it, it almost like built on itself. Of the more I did it, the easier it was to pour out. Would you say that that's true? Absolutely. It's definitely practice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a practice. Yeah. Okay. So you're a, a, you're a little girl who just wants to say, I'll bet you, you were an adorable little kiddo <laughs> who just wanted to say, we got to find. Yeah. Pictures. I told, I told my dad when I was five years old, um, I was like, dad, build me a stage. Like I, yes. <laughs> that's the build oldest sibling energy that we need. <laughs> Yes, build me a stage. I'm a star. Uh, I, love I think it. I just had a lot of personality um, when I was like super young. I like, I think eight years old was when I actually started to experience anxiety for the mm. first time. Um, and so that was kind of when I became more introspective and just like journaling and writing down my thoughts because I just didn't feel capable of expressing them out loud. Wow. Do you mind if I ask what, like, what was that connected to? The anxiety? Yeah. Okay. Actually, this is a funny story. So, <laughs> which sounds crazy because it's like, well, anxiety. Um, but you know how like symptoms of anxiety is like, oh, you get nervous, like your breathing is affected, your mm -hmm. um, stomach is affected. Um, and so people are like, oh, you just have a crush. You just have a crush on someone. And like, that's why you feel like jittery and like 
And I was yeah. like, <laughs> you're like, no, it's not a crush. Because it wasn't just like for one person specifically, like one little boy in my class, like, yes. But then it was like, no, like I'm thinking about what everyone's thinking of me. Am I doing the right thing at all times? Like, what are people oh. thinking? What are people saying about me? And it was like, okay, now every single time I go out in public, I'm looking around thinking, what are other people thinking about me? And so whenever I would go out of my house, I would get like, my stomach would hurt, my back would hurt. I would like, just feel like overwhelmed. And I didn't know what it was, so I couldn't express it. Um, And I think it did affect me physically sometimes because I remember being in the mall with my parents and I was like, I'm having difficulty keeping up, like walking, like it's just really difficult. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, like you might have like some kind of physical thing because like um, one of my sisters has lupus. So um, they were like, oh, yeah, it could be that. But like they tested for that. It wasn't that. And like no one talked about mental health. <laughs> yeah, so... right. Especially for and an eight-year-old. You're not it. like, oh, let's let's check our eight-year-old for anxiety. Like what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't think, and it's not true. But you wouldn't think what, you know, the, the thought process in a, especially in a former generation was, and you're younger than me, so it's not even, it's not that long ago, but our, the parents are like, what does an eight-year-old have to be anxious about? You just go to second or third grade and play like, yeah. but, but you are manifesting serious anxiety signs. Yeah. So, I, I, I just mean, wanted to be like perfect. And like, I wanted everyone to love me and like, <laughs> oh. Oh, that's so sweet. Though. Like, I, I know that it was, I, I'm sure that it was painful and difficult to carry that weight. Yeah. Um, but it just makes me want to be like, oh, little Leah, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, uh, and so that, so that anxiety, it sounds like, was a big catalyst. That pain of anxiety was yeah. a big catalyst for some of the purpose that you found in music. Definitely. in what you're doing yeah and so growing up with i i, I don't want to like leave the anxiety because i'm i'm especially curious about it mm-hmm. um how did that look through your years growing up because in my head so just to give context the people that are listening to this may have felt like you felt and weren't able to put words to it because anytime we talk about anxiety on the podcast or anytime i preach about it in a sermon there are people that are going I didn't know what that was. What you're describing is what I feel. I didn't know what that was. Nobody put words to it because in their head, anxiety is something different. Um, so one, people will hear your story and be like, that was me. Or, that is me. Two, some people have children that maybe are manifesting some of those symptoms and don't know how to respond to that um, positively. And, and three, I'm just genuinely curious about like your story and what that anxiety looked like as you moved from eight to 12 to 16 to, you know, to college, uh, post high school and all that, like how, how did your process with anxiety go? Okay. I feel like in elementary school, it wasn't too bad or like not yet. It wasn't too bad to the point where it was really affecting much. Um, like I was just a little bit more introverted sometimes. Um, but I went to a really small uh, Christian school and it was the school at my church. So like I felt kind of safe there. So even though I did have the symptoms still, um, like I didn't, it wasn't too much, like too overwhelming. 
Um, and then also like, I would still be anxious on Sundays going to church, yeah. even though it's just like, this is a familiar environment. I'm here all the time. It's just right. like, I still am thinking like, what are people thinking about me? What am I doing the right thing? Um, and then for middle school, I was homeschooled. And so I was like, okay, like I have a little bit more ease. Um, but then we would go out in public <laughs> And it's like this a little bit unfamiliar. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, because you're now so I gotta interact. now it's worse. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, now I gotta interact with people. And it's just like, um, I'm just I don't know how to interact necessarily. Um, I remember right before I went to high school, I was Googling, um, because my mom wanted us all to go out for school the next year. She was like, I'm done homeschooling y'all. Um yeah. <laughs> which I understand, five kids. Um, but yeah, so I, um, was Googling, like, how am I supposed to act like in high school? Like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) And I would like watch like all of these little, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, Ned's the classified school survival guide. Mm -hmm. Like I watched all those. I was like, okay, this is one, this is, yep. mm -hmm, I'm taking notes. This is what I'm doing. And I was just like, okay. You actually made Ned's guide, your guide of how to act in high school. I said, I need this. I need these tips. Um, and of course, nothing with the same as on t- TV. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, but I think I did a, a pretty good job at navigating things. It was definitely overwhelming um, when I first got to school, though. Um, a lot of anxiety. Um, and I was just like quiet. So like no one could really tell. I think it's also because like anxiety is like an internal thing. Mm. No one can really see um, your symptoms <laughs> unless yeah. you're like actively having an anxiety attack. Um, but like, it's like, okay, like my heart's palpitating. No one can see that. My stomach's turning. I've, I'm sweating. My, yeah. It's hard to breathe. No one can see that. Yeah. Um, and so I think I did a pretty good job also of just kind of like, oh, I'm fine. I'm ignoring this because I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Um, I just have like this excess energy. So sometimes I would like leave class to like get the jitters out and I would just run in the hall. <laughs> like sprint up and down the hallway to be like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I have to like give meaning to the physical symptoms. So it's like, okay, now I'm like kind of, I have energy because like I'm, I've been running. And so yeah. it kind of like, yeah, balances out. But yeah. in college is when it got worse. Um, Cause it was like, this is a huge campus. And a lot of students in my class, um, and I was like actively having anxiety attacks um, pretty much every week. And I was like, okay, I would reward myself for every day that I went there and then I had an anxiety attack. I was like, okay, I'm going to reward myself with a couple of days of no school because. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Like the tree connected to the, I have to brave it. So now I have to not. Yeah. But I still wasn't explaining that to people like I didn't know. But I went to school for psychology because um, someone in my high school, one of my English teachers had said something about like, I think you might have anxiety. And that always kind of like stuck in the back of my head. I think that was like my junior year of Mm. high school. And so like when I got to college, I was like, okay, like I just want to take all the classes about anxiety, like so I can learn about myself. Yeah. Um, but then my guidance counselor realized that it was like affecting my grades. She was like, yeah, something's up. Like, do you want me to walk you to the counseling center? And I was like, okay. Yeah. 
And she walked me there and like on the way there, I was like, oh no, I feel so much better now. I don't, we don't need to go. We don't no, need to no, go. No, 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 no. We're good. We're good. I'm I got everything now. I need. Everything's fine. Everything's but I'm fine. so glad she walked me um, because mm. I got the help that I needed. Um, and that was when I realized I had generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety disorder. Um, and those were both heavily affecting me. Um, the social anxiety part was just me overthinking about what other people thought of me to the point yeah. of like, it was debilitating. It was like affecting my interactions with people on a daily basis. And then the generalized anxiety was um, pretty much me just being paranoid about things that would happen. Yeah. Um, even on TV, it's like, if I see the news, I'm like, oh, that's going to happen to me. Um, mm. I stayed up for weeks after watching um, a Criminal Minds episode about someone throwing acid on someone. I was like, okay, now someone's going to throw acid on me after seeing wow. people like um, with the, the gun violence and like being shot in like movie theaters and stuff. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get shot. And so like, I would look around like all the time at mm. church, at school. And I'm like, okay, who has the gun? I'm going to get yeah. shot today. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's happening to me. It's, it's me. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, how did how, can, how did it feel? How did it feel to somebody to put words to something that at that point you'd been feeling for at least a decade, right? Like you've been you'd been holding in for a long time that you were just kind of like, oh, this is who I am, right? Yeah. Like, how did that feel to get a diagnosis? It felt like a relief. Um, honestly, my first therapist, I had a couple of issues with some therapists. I I love therapy. Um, I think sometimes it just depends on like who your therapist is. Oh yeah. Um, the first therapist I had, she was like, I don't know why you want a diagnosis so bad. And I was like, I just want to know what's wrong with me. Yeah, right. And she's like, nothing's wrong with you. Okay. I understand that from a point of like, I don't need to be fixed. But at the same time, my life is being affected drastically. And yeah. I would like a solution so that I can have a normal life. Right. A life that I enjoy. <laughs> right. Well, because I understand what you're saying. Because like, yeah. there's there's the like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're hurt. like the, like yeah. there's that perspective. You're great but as you're, you are. <laughs> you're coming from a practical perspective of like, I'd like to be able to go to class every day. Yes. I'd, yes, I'd like to be able to function as a normal human being in society. Absolutely. And so somebody could tell me how to do that. That it's not even about the diagnosis necessarily. Like it's not the name. It's just could somebody help me live. Find solutions, please. Something. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that would be frustrating. And yeah. finding a, a counselor or therapist is a lot like dating. Of uh, the first one is probably not the right one. Sometimes you get lucky <laughs> and it works, but um, that's not always the case. But we don't always talk about that in the mental that's so health true. thing. That is um, so true. You know, your generation, because again, you're younger than me. But when you said Google in high school, I was like. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that shows that shows how different our age is. But uh, from a from a different, there's a different uh, perspective on mental health, which is good. But we're not all the way there in people being able to share. Hey, I had to go to three different people before I found a counselor that listened to me. That, that felt like they were they were you know they were tracking with me. And yeah. so that could be a frustrating experience. Leah absolutely killed this episode. We're coming back with part two. We're leaving you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Next time, she's going to talk a little bit about the black and Christian communities as it relates to mental health and a little bit more about 
the way music feeds our souls. You can find her at Leah Wren Music. That's Leah Wren, W-R-E-N-N-E Music on Instagram. And you can also access her Linktree down there. You want to absolutely do that. That's Linktree slash Leah Wren Music. You're absolutely going to want to listen to her song. She sings a little bit in the next episode. and then, oh, Chef's kiss. It is so good. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Better on the Inside. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Send your questions and comments to john, J-O-N, at betteronthinside.com.